The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new Toyota truck. Like a rugged half-ton Tundra, workhorse by nature, powerhouse by design. The Tundra combines raw capability with premium comfort and advanced tech to fuel your wildest adventures. And with the available iForce Max hybrid powertrain, you can take electrifying horsepower farther than ever before. Or check out the fully redesigned Tacoma, delivering trail-dominating power in captivating style. The new Tacoma was born to make your off-roading dreams come true. And with new available tech, this legendary truck is getting even better. And when you buy a Toyota truck, you buy Toyota dependability, meaning your truck will hold its value long into the future. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Kevin Harlan on the call of a Saquon Barkley touchdown earlier this season. It is BetQL Daily, live coast-to-coast on the BetQL Network, presented by BetMGM. Aaron Hawksworth off today alongside Joe Ostrowski. I'm Chris Mack. You can watch the show. YouTube, search Odyssey Sports, and of course, live on Twitch every day from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern, twitch.tv slash BetQL. If you miss anything, you get us as a podcast. Wherever you get your podcasts, search for BetQL Daily, and then subscribe and get caught up uh, on, for example, Jeff Feinberg earlier, who helped us with some angles on the Cognizant at PGA National. We'll give you our plays on that before the end of the hour. And there's a new mock draft out. We talk about Mel Kuyper's mock draft and what it looks like, plus the first day of combine workouts now just 24 hours away in Indianapolis. Dive into that in 20 minutes. And we'll continue our countdown to opening day in Major League Baseball as well at the top of the third and final hour, 11 a.m. Eastern. We got you covered. 30 days till opening day. We talk home run leaders one hour from now. But let's power rank. We love power rankings. And Interestingly enough, it looks like all the big names, not all the big names, a lot of big names are going to be available at running back, Joe. Um, Saquon, probably available. We know Derrick Henry's going to be available. Possibly Josh Jacobs as well. Uh, Tony Pollard, Austin Eckler, just a few names. Uh, DeAndre Swift that will be out there and available. The running back market over the last decade, has absolutely nosedived. Nobody goes out of their way to commit to a running back long-term, much mm-hmm. less uh, go out and draft one or spend big money on one in free agency. Nonetheless, they're still important to what a lot of offensive coordinators want to do, at least in balancing the offense. And we've talked about how defense has gained some ground over the last few years, so teams looking to build off time of possession, things like that. They want to have somebody they can trust in the backfield, and you got to be multifaceted as well. I mentioned Pollard, Eckler, Swift. Uh, you got to be able to catch the ball. So let's power rank. We'll each power rank three of those available free agent running backs on the market in 2024. I'll let you start. Yeah, and, and let me just say this before I give my list. If you want to call me an ageist, I would probably agree with you. When it comes to this, don't don't you completely understand what's happened in the running back market? It makes perfect sense when you're building a roster and where you want to put your assets. We all know it starts with quarterback and you've got nothing if you don't have at least uh, a quarterback that you can depend on. Right. Um, 
And then, of course, you want to build the offensive line. And now playmakers on the outside, moving up the charts a little bit to, to most teams. And what's the last thing that you address? Probably running back or guard, right? You know, centers near the top, tackles are near the top. Uh, number one receiver, at least. You want another weapon mm-hmm. on the outside, too. Some teams uh, believe in spending or using a high draft pick and tight end. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But, hey, the team that just won the Super Bowl, best tight ends ever, right? He's going to be end up in the Hall of Fame. I I get what's happening in the league, and I support what's happening in the league. You can always find – you can find undrafted guys. And, yeah, like, it, it's hard to find an Arian Foster. It's hard to find a Priest Holmes back in the day. Never drafted. An all, all-time players for a short yeah. period of time. And that's what we have to keep going back to. All these guys, short period of time. Um, recent years, you could find, you know, mid-round draft picks for a short period of time. They were awesome. So dipping into the free agent market, I'm just, am I going to overpay for what Saquon's going to be and what Saquon did last year in his 14 games? He didn't have a thousand yards, but people talk about him like, oh my God, he's going to completely change the offense. Maybe CMC did with, with the Niners now that he finally stayed healthy, but look what he has He's got the perfect play caller. He's got the perfect weapons everywhere around him. He's got the all-world tackle on that offense. So, I mean, that's where I'm coming from. If we look at the the rushing leaders this past season, of course, it's CMC in a runaway. We all understand why he was always going to be the offensive player of the year, but look after that. Oh, it's Derrick Henry. Okay, okay. He's, he's a good name. He's one of the names that we're going to talk about here. No, what I'm looking at, Chris, is – if we go from Derrick Henry down, let's do a 200-yard range. Mm-hmm. There's okay. 15 guys. 15. So my team building, I'm not going to overspend. I'm not going over one of the uh, going after one of these Getting value. Guys. I understand yeah, that's that, exactly that what I'm perspective. Doing. And, and ages. Like if we're looking at yards per attempt, look at the ages. The outliers are your James Connors. Your, your guys that are close to 30. Majority of the, those 15 guys that I'm talking about are in their mid-20s. So just my, the explanation from where I'm going. Number three, I'm shocked that Antonio Gibson's still only 25 years old. Hmm. I'm going to use multiple backs. And when you look at the number of free agents that are probably going to get signed before Gibson, I'm going to get an extreme amount of value on Gibson. I don't think I'm going to have to pay much for him. People kind of forgot that he exists out in Washington. Um, I would I would take a look at him. He's a, he's a guy that maybe buy low and uh, he can ball out for a year or two, and that's all you need. And the reality is, then you're moving on to the next guy, number two. Oh yeah, another guy, 25 years old, my guy. Maybe I accidentally made multiple rushing yard leader bets on him. On a Friday when I was very tired at the end of the week. But DeAndre very Swift is tired. available. And when he gets his chances, like first half of the year, he was phenomenal. A part of the problem is game script got away from the Eagles this past year. And their defense, one of the worst in the league, if not the worst. And they were trailing in a lot of games that he didn't get a ton of opportunities. But when he's given opportunities, another guy that I think you could find some value on, DeAndre Swift, I would put him number two. And... He's probably going to cost a lot, but maybe T. 
teams overspend for Henry or Saquon or Eckler, and maybe you can get a value play on Josh Jacobs Yeah, at 26 years old. Like, if I'm looking at Jacobs and Saquon, like, I'm kind of flipping a coin on which guy I want, and I think I need to – and I'm going to end up spending less on Jacobs compared to Eckler too. So uh, my three, I'd go value hunting, Gibson three, Swift, mm-hmm. get I get some good play out of him for a couple of years. And if I'm willing to spend a little bit more, more money, Jacobs, <laughs> a couple years ago, he was your rushing leader. The guy could still get it done. He, he's, got a lot, he's got a lot of tread on the tire still. So I, I get your perspective, and I understand where you're coming from. I even agree on one of these picks and have them in my top three. But I looked at it a little bit differently, especially when I took into account some of the teams that are favored to be the next team for some of these big-name free agent backs. And you see a lot of the same teams showing up near the top of those boards, whether it's for Barkley or Jacobs or Henry. You see the Ravens. You see the Cowboys, the Texans, the Chargers in a couple spots. Um, teams that are either saying goodbye to one back and maybe bringing in another. It's why I said earlier it might be kind of like a game of musical chairs uh, at running back this offseason where – guys swap spots without being traded. And I also looked at the offensive lines in those places and how they relate to the backs available on the free agent market. And I get it. You're right. Just about everybody has a two back system now. Um, Mm -hmm. But I want my one a guy and look, it's successful for a lot of teams. Um, I would even say here in Pittsburgh where I am, where nobody expected it to be a two-back system this year because Mike Tomlin abhors a two-back system. He wants to have his one guy, his workhorse that he leans on, and maybe somebody else will touch the ball three times a game, if that. But he finally found his way to getting a little bit of balance between Najee Harris, who he's absolutely in love with as his workhorse, and Jalen Warren, the classic undrafted guy off the street, right? Um, So... If Mike Tomlin can find his way to finding a timeshare, I can find it too. But you need your lead guy, your 1A to your 1B, to still be someone who can be a 300, or excuse me, a 250 to 275 attempt, maybe 300 attempt guy. Um, And so number three, before we get to those big workhorse type backs, I do agree with you on DeAndre Swift. I think there's a ton of value there. I think he could be a 200. I know he's smaller, um, but he could be a 250, 275 carry guy. Um, And I don't know how many 25 year olds are out there who can give you four and a half yards per carry at less than $8 million a year, which is what DeAndre Swift's market is going to be for three years. You tell me I can invest $25 million, which is less than I'm going to pay on a quality quarterback for one year and get a quality 1A running back for three, maybe four years? Absolutely. Uh, Yes, he did it behind the Eagles' offensive line, and I understand because of Miles Sanders going bust in Carolina from a great offensive line, one of the best in the league, to a terrible offensive line, one of the worst in the league. There are going to be similar questions about Swift and whether it was only about the Eagles' offensive line. But look, you can give this guy 20 carries a game. He only got that twice this year. He can catch the ball another handful of times every week out of the backfield. And he could get you double-digit touchdowns between rushing and receiving and 1,300 yards. DeAndre Swift is capable of all that. So I agree with you. He's in my top three. But he's only my number three because 
At number two, I will give ageism a stiff elbow in the face. Derrick Henry. Get out of here. Tennessee had the worst offensive line in the league this year. Worse than the Giants. Worse than the Panthers. Worse than the Commanders. An awful offensive line. And less than proven quarterback play, too, by the way. And he still did his thing. Still had over 3.3 yards after contact per touch. And he continues to diversify. Becomes more and more of a weapon in the screen game every year. He's almost 30. But almost is the important qualifier here. Derrick Henry still has a couple of good years left in the tank, especially behind a quality offensive line if you can get him behind one as a 1A in a place where they understand how to utilize Baltimore. I'd hate to see him in the AFC North, but Baltimore makes a ton of sense. Dallas makes sense. And number one, it's not just because he's a Penn State guy. I'm not being a homer, I swear, but Saquon. (sighs) Saquon Barkley has worked behind... You talk about bad offensive lines. I'll run down the offensive line rankings for the New York Giants for the last four seasons, going backwards. 30th in 2023, 30th the year before that, 30th the year before that, 31st the year before that. The man has been beaten into bits and pieces behind trash offensive lines and still has a couple of 1,300-yard seasons to his credit. When he is healthy, he's a a 4.5-yard per carry, 1,300-yard a year, 10 to 12 touchdown guy with another handful on 40 to 50 receptions and not just bad offensive lines. Look at the OCs he's had to work with. Great offensive minds like Mike Shula and Jason Garrett before Mike Kafka took over a couple years ago. And that hasn't exactly gone well either. I mentioned middling quarterback play when I mentioned Derrick Henry and the offense he was in in Tennessee. Danny Dimes there. That's all I have to say in New York. So get Saquon in an offense with a decent coordinator, a quality offensive line, and a quarterback who can give that offense some balance. And yes, I don't mind overspending for Saquon if that's what it ends up being to the tune of 13 mil a year, 14 mil a year for the next three years and squeeze every last bit of juice. Wring that towel dry, Joe and get the best out of Saquon in a quality offense for the next few years before he's cooked. Do you know who was uh, top three in rushing this past season? You no know CMC is one. Who's, it, who's mm-hmm. a surprise name that most people would not know? Surprise name. Surprise name for rushing yards this season. Rushing yard, Man. Jacobs wasn't there because he was hurt. Uh, who played 16 or Derrick Henry games. was second. Derrick Henry was second. Right? I'll, I'll give you that. Uh, Third in the NFL know. in rushing Third. yards is Kyron Williams. Jeez. In, in limited action. Remember, he missed a handful of games too. Yeah. So, I mean, I just, I'm not overspending for Saquon or Henry. So what's the ceiling? Can they be top five, top three in rushing? Yes. But the difference between number three and number 15, I don't think it's much. I think that's just where we were, where we are. And you it, mentioned what the Steelers did. I, I'm in the group that was like, give Warren more run. He needs sure. more run. And there were a few situations like that, you know. And, and he did deserve and, it. 
Yeah, and he, and he made Mike Tomlin look smart for it when he did get start to get the ball more. You know, in one of the final yeah. acts of the Matt Canada regime, he made sure to get the <laughs> get Jalen Warren the ball a little bit more, and it did work. I'll say this. I think Barkley and Henry, for as much as we think of them as marquee guys because they're some of the best at their position in the league, we, to your point, if we stop thinking about running back as a marquee position, then you can get on board with still paying these guys a decent amount of coin if you're adding them to what's already a playoff caliber roster to become a championship caliber roster, right? Philly, it's icing on the cake. Baltimore, it's icing on the cake. Dallas keeps Dak from having to throw 45 times a week. I think maybe that's the way to look at those guys. Maybe you're a little more comfortable with it. Are we comfortable with what Mel Kuyper has done with this mock draft and the first day of combine workouts tomorrow? We keep it moving with the NFL and some cognizant classic picks before the end of the hour here on BetQL Daily. Don't forget, once a day, the BetMGM app has your free-to-play BetMGM fast break game. It's shot to win daily prizes. You play as the point guard and dish to either KG, Kevin Garnett, or Jalen Rose, or take it in yourself for a dunk. If you score, you get a prize. It's free-to-play right now inside your BetMGM sportsbook app. Account holders who play BetMGM fast break have the opportunity to win a reward if they score a basket. All the details again. Inside your BetMGM app, it is BetQL Daily, live coast-to-coast on the BetQL network, wherever you may be in the world, on your Odyssey app. Aaron off today, Chris alongside Joe. Uh, Two-minute drill, an hour from now, we go on the hardwood after a really interesting night last night in both the NBA and college basketball. We'll dive into both uh, pro and college ball in the two-minute drill, an hour from now. Top of the hour, continue our countdown to Major League Baseball opening day by taking a look at the home run leaders market. And we talked to Jeff Feinberg earlier for some insight on the Cognizant, formerly the Honda Classic at PGA National this weekend. Some of our leans, angles, and plays on that tournament coming up in 20 minutes. But Mel Kuyper's got a brand new mock draft out, Joe. Four first-round quarterbacks, including one, two, three, uh, three wide receivers and two offensive tackles, plus an edge rusher and a tight end round out the top 10, six receivers and nine offensive linemen in the first round. We'll dive into some of the guys in the front seven uh, because they are the first day of combine workouts tomorrow in Indy. But let's talk about this Kuiper mock draft specifically. He moves Jane Daniels up to number two to Washington, still has Caleb Williams going first overall to the Bears. Um, drops Drake May to New England at number three. J.J. McCarthy, 12th overall to the Denver Broncos. <laughs> Overdraft. Um, excuse me. Uh, no Bo Nix <laughs> or Michael Penix Jr. or Spencer Rattler anywhere near the first round for Mel Kuyper Jr. in this latest mock. Um, what do we make of Daniels getting this push? Because it continues. I thought it had started to cool off, but the Jaden Daniels push continues i'm curious to see if it continues through combine week when he won't be working out or throwing on saturday night yeah we're getting we're getting this a lot lately like this is and and this occurs is it some of the chatter that's going on in indy or are people i don't know just as a group think you never know with with mock drafts to start posting but we've seen a run of them bucky brooks had a new one yesterday he had the exact same top three caleb williams jaden daniels drake may uh I do think it's going to be QB, QB, QB. That's mm-hmm. my expectation. Like There are some people that think, oh, that Marvin Harrison is all world. He's the can't miss guy. There's always 
I get a bit of a guessing game. There's no perfect formula when it comes to evaluating the quarterback position and drafting them. We know that. I mean, it's still happening all the time. Sometimes the guy that's taken third, fourth, fifth uh, at the position ends up being the best of the bunch. But um, yeah, it's this. This is a Washington draft. There's so much about Chicago. I think it's clear cut what Chicago's going to do what they should do, and if you're able to read the tea leaves, is that Justin Fields is going to be gone, and they're going to restart the quarterback uh, clock, and Ryan Poles is going to select his first quarterback in Caleb Williams. And he All the time yesterday, right? Point to yeah. that. Pretty much, pretty much. This is a Washington draft, and they're going to dictate a lot of what happens. Is New England willing to sit there and take the one that's left? That's my question. With their evaluation. Or, or do they have a clear-cut want what they're praying happens without giving up a ton of assets and removing all doubt where they would move up one spot? Is there is there one that they prefer clearly, or are they just going to take the, th- the three, no matter what? Wh- whichever yeah, one I, is left, or, you know, like, maybe they have one, and they're like, well, let's, let's move down. Let's try and convince Arizona that we want Marvin Harrison Jr. That it's lying season. The games are going to be played. I'm I'm just fascinated by this whole thing. The Washington New England dynamic is much more interesting than Chicago. Yeah, I agree with that. I think the the Mayo dynamic in particular. How much is he a Belichick clone? Bill Belichick mm-hmm. in this situation, if presented an option at third overall. Well, I think he'd probably buy himself an extra year, to be quite honest. And I think Mayo may go that route. He may buy himself the extra year and and try to convince everyone in New England. Well, I mean, this is a playmaking wide receiver. Uh, We got got to go this route and go with Marvin Harrison, especially if Drake May goes number two. May seems like the guy, to be honest, with the Patriots' offensive brain trust or lack thereof, I think they wonder if they can develop Daniels correctly, if they can get him up to speed quickly enough. And they need a quarterback. Um, Drake May, I think they probably look at as more of a Patriots-style quarterback. And so if if Daniels goes second, I think the Patriots jump at the opportunity, whether we're talking about Bill Belichick in a previous life or Gerard Mayo, who may or may not be a Belichick clone, I think he jumps at the chance to get May at three. If it's Daniels at three, I think I think they wait to turn that card in and wonder if that's the right answer again with the lack of offensive brain trust. I understand they believe in the people they've got in place, but I think they also also understand the limitations in place there. That'll be most interesting to me. What happens if May goes two? If Daniels goes two to Washington, okay. Uh, I, I think May is a shoe-in to go to New England at three. But if Daniels is going to be third, I think that opens up the possibility to Marvin Harrison Jr. to New England or even a Patriots trade back. Um, And that's where things would really get interesting because now people are going to start, you know, that's an opportunity to build the draft capital. Now Mayo's really building out an entire roster rather than just the quarterback position. Um, It's a little bit of an unknown, not knowing what he's going to do and whether he's going to function like Belichick did or whether the organization as a whole is going to function like Belichick did, or whether this is something completely different from the Patriots. And we've seen in what the last two and a half decades, basically. If I'm ranking the most likely team 
player matches near the top of the draft, I would put number one, Chicago and Caleb. I would put number mm-hmm. two, Arizona and Marvin Harrison Jr. Yeah. I know you got to wait. I, I agree and with that. A few things can happen, but that's where I would go. And we were joking with Jeff Feinberg earlier about the charges and what they're going to do and just teasing him with the idea of Brock Bowers on that offense with Herbert and some of the other weapons they have when healthy. Uh, he was all about it. But just, man, I just think that bringing in Harbaugh and what he's all about and you have Herbert in place coming off a serious injury, aren't they just going to go get the best offensive lineman? Whoever they think that is. If they, they think should. it's Latham, I, I, get I know him. Bowers if they is think the it's Alt, pick. get him. Yeah. That's exactly what I would do. Whichever offensive tackle you have graded the highest, go get him. I mean, this is going to be an offensive line. This is an offensive line heavy first round, too. Kuiper has nine offensive linemen going in the first round. Two in the top ten. You can go to PFF's uh, latest mock draft as well. They have offensive line at five to the Giants, uh, or excuse me, at six to the Giants. They've got uh, the Chargers taking a Dunze for what it's worth. They've got offensive line seven to the Titans, and then again at 12 to the Jets and 14 to the Saints and 16 to the Seahawks. I mean, we can see 10 offensive linemen go in the first round. Um, This is... And so that's where you get Brock Bowers really starting to slide, I think. His teams look at it and go, yeah, we'd like to have that tight end, but do we need to have that tight end? And teams whose offensive lines – we just got done talking about running backs and how they're affected by the offensive line. Henry in particular in Tennessee, the complete and total lack of an offensive line. Barkley in New York. you got to build the offensive line first. That's my belief anyway. Um, it's why, again, I'll use the Steelers as an example. It's why the Steelers have struggled offensively for the last few years because their offensive line aged out. They could see it coming like a train barreling down the track at them, but they didn't do anything about it until Marquise Pouncey decided to retire. And then everything else fell apart around that. And they were left holding a, you know, a bunch of Mason Cole and James Daniels bags going, uh, I guess this is our offensive line now before they finally traded up and spent a first-round pick last year. So if you don't build properly, you end up building backwards. Maybe you're like the Broncos. You overdraft a quarterback. I can't believe we're talking about J.J. McCarthy going in the top half of the first round. That's and the and he's not the only one. Kuyper's not the only one. I've been, I've been seeing that a lot. I laugh at the idea as well that, really, Sean Payton's been waiting around. He's playing the waiting game on this Russell Wilson right. contract. He dealt with it. He couldn't wait, wait to boot this guy out of town. He's getting his wish. He's getting his hand-picked quarterback at number 12 overall, and his selection is going to be J.J. McCarthy. I understand I picking can't. a quarterback there, making that connection. Totally get it. But I do not believe that he has him circled as the guy. <laughs> Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports 
Center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Let Tend Dental make your dream smile a reality. We offer a variety of top-rated treatments, including Invisalign aligners. And for a limited time, Tend is offering $750 off orthodontic treatments. Offer valid through January 31st, so don't wait. Visit hellotend.com sale. That's hellotend.com sale. And book your free consult today. Unless he falsely believes that he can, like, he's having flashbacks to getting Drew Brees on the cheap, right? And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah look at an undersized guy. Maybe I can do something with this. Uh, has the, uh, I'm telling you, he's not, he's not Drew Brees. He's going to be mm-hmm. this year's overdrafted first-round quarterback, J.J. McCarthy. And I would much rather, if you're going to be the Broncos and you're going to overdraft a quarterback at number 12, at least go with a guy who has more experience to this point in Knicks and go with a guy that you can trust. I I shouldn't say trust. He's going to be a rookie first-round pick, but who you'd have more belief in spreading the ball around to Sutton and Judy um, and Humphrey. I, I don't see that in J.J. McCarthy. Again, a couple of big games this year. Um, one big-time game last year. He's not the guy that I'm building my offense around for the next five to 10 years. I'm just, and it's not like Peyton has a ton of time in Denver. They want results now. It's why they're moving on from Russell Wilson and biting a 30 to $35 million bullet for the next couple of years, because they want results now. We don't care. And so get me the quarterback. Who's a little bit closer in this case, Nick's, if you're going to insist on me wildly overdrafting a quarterback, sure as hell isn't JJ McCarthy. Um, Real quick. I mentioned the combine workouts start tomorrow and the front seven will be the focus. We're talking interior D linemen, edge rushers, off ball linebackers. Kuiper only has six of these kind of guys going in the first round. And if you look at it, a lot of mock drafts, not real high on the front seven. Um, Mm -hmm. PFF's mock draft has one or two interior D linemen, uh, maybe three to four edge guys, but all mid to late first round and no off-ball linebackers, inside linebackers. 
that's a position we talk about devalued positions at running back included joe off-ball linebacker devalued in the modern day nfl you can go out and sign a free agent um but interior d linemen and edge rushers will be the focus and even though we're probably not getting more than three or four of those guys in the first round yeah i i think you're right on what the focus is going to be of course quarterback and you know we're an example of that everybody's interested in the quarterback position and you mentioned offensive linemen um that's going to be the position that's drafted the most. Well, so what number are we going to get in the betting markets? Because you're probably going to want to play the over as far as that goes. Yeah. The, the order of that position is all over the place. I think the most part on the defensive end, those impact players, the front seven guys, I think the order is pretty similar for the most part. But have you noticed that yeah. as well, that on the offensive line, it is all over the map. Guys that a month ago – were viewed as the best offensive lineman or second best. Now they're like the fifth offensive lineman going in a lot of mocks. Yeah, Alton Latham feel like the the one two fashionu from Penn State. You see sometimes included as well, but he's a cut all below over the place. Alton Latham. And then all of a sudden, yeah, you get Fuaga from Oregon State thrown at you in some uh, Fautanu from Washington. Um, you see different centers mentioned. I mean, centers a weird. A center in the first round is a is a little bit of a reach, I think. But, I mean, we're talking, again, according to the PFF mock draft I, I looked at last night and again this morning, we're talking nine offensive linemen in the first round. Um, that's if, – if the number on the board when it comes time, say, the, the day before the draft, the morning of the draft is eight and a half, I'm going over. Give me the over. If it's nine and a half, I might even consider that first round offensive lineman because really that's where the run is going to happen to. Other than receivers in the top 10, which I could see a run on them. Again, Kuiper's mock has six first round oh, yeah. wide receivers. Um, those are the two positions that could hit a run, say right around like the sixth or seventh pick through the 15th pick. I've... Uh... I've also got to throw out this out there, as long as you mention the receivers, that in Kuiper's mock, everybody has bears with Caleb right now. He's got neighbors falling to them at nine. If that is what they get at one and nine, that, I mean, man. <laughs> that reminds you of PFF's, how you started things off in Cincinnati with the first and second round. Yep, PFF's got the same thing. Um, Caleb Woo. and neighbors at one and nine bears fans, I think would feel pretty, pretty good. Larry David about that one. All right. 25 minutes from now, we're 30 days to opening day. What do we think about the home run leader market? Jake Berger's name will be mentioned. I, I don't <laughs> Rob Deers maybe as well. Um, two minute drill in the final hour, some lightning bets coming up next. The cognizant classic at PGA national. What do we like this weekend here on BetQL daily? Go home, ball, please. Find your home. Some happy Gilmore to get us going on this Wednesday, halfway through the week on BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM. That means tomorrow, first round, and they've gone east to Florida at Palm Beach. Palm Beach's Cognizant Honda Classic. It was the Honda Classic for, I don't know, 40 years. Now it's the Cognizant Classics or Classic at Palm Beach Gardens or Palm Beaches. There's too much going on with the name here, Joe. It's very distracting. It's at PGA National. How about we just call it that? The February tournament at PGA National. 
Um, and we got done talking with Jeff Feinberg about it earlier. And he shifted me a couple different directions here on BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM, live coast-to-coast on the BetQL Network. We'll dive back into baseball as we count down to opening day in 20 minutes, uh, talk about the home run leaders market and basketball, both college and NBA, in 40 minutes inside the two-minute drill. But like my focus on this one coming in because uh, we – we're talking about the difference in greens, right? Like we're away from, and Jeff mentioned this, um, we're away from the bumpy uh, Poana greens uh, of the West Coast to now smooth, right? Not smooth sailing on the greens, the Bermuda grass in Florida. And so I kind of, I don't want to say I took putting completely out of my handicap, but it's way down the priority list. And this is a course that's a little shorter not like some of the, you know, this isn't Torrey Pines, where distance isn't necessarily as important off the tee as not zigzagging your way back and forth across the fairway. And so I looked at driving accuracy, and there are some really unsexy names when you get to the top of the driving accuracy board, but that's where I ended up leaning in some spots here for this weekend. Yeah, so it was interesting to, to hear Jeff bring up the putting. And I actually think it's notable. I typically I'm on your side with this. And so is Jeff actually too. But what history tells us about this specific course is that it has mattered that strokes gain putting is something that you want to look at just for this Mm -hmm. weekend because, because of the change, but most weekends I'm totally with you. Listen, putting goes up and down. Sometimes you've got the hot stick. Sometimes you don't. And if that's a huge part of your handicapping week after week, you're probably going to have a tough time. If you're, it's a lot of, it's a big guessing game on which which guys from week to week are going to putt. I don't care which surface you're going to. Now there are, you know, extremes where there's a guy who's just so great on POA or, you know, this, this or that, but it comes into play once in a while, but I'd say the majority of the time, not so much, but here, History tells us strokes game putting is one of the key stats along with scrambling. So that's why Jeff did bring it up. I find it interesting, but I also have a tough time just going, yeah, it's really got to get the best putters here, which, which putters are really going to look good in, in this spot now that we're on the floor to swing right. with this. Um, my, my whole thought process on this tournament is, man, you get some guys coming out of nowhere. So that's where I'm looking. Like, where are these triple-digit numbers where they can pop? And the thing is that the course history, this ain't Augusta. This isn't some of the other courses where it does matter. If you look at just last year's tournament, look at the top five. Eric Cole, Mm -hmm. never played. Suh, never played. He was top five. Ben Martin, never played. Top five. Taylor. Never been here. Top five as well. You you don't need to have experience on this course. And you mentioned you don't need to be a bomber. Correct. Correct. Yeah. And just the the putting does come into play. But if you maybe if you have some experience, I know some people are taking a look at some of the Florida golfers, guys that went to college in Florida. Uh, long mm-hmm. long names on the board like you know Spenson. Sure, that makes sense. I think Wu strokes gain tee to green. And last year, good performance here. That's a name you might want to look at. But it's 
it's fascinating that Rory is just on an island with the number, and then you trip, you know, exit by three, and that's where the rest of the board starts. So, I mean, with my style of betting, I'm not even considering Rory for anything. He could absolutely run away and win this. If he wants to, he could probably win this tournament. But I don't that that wouldn't be my wager at eight to one compared to everything else. So I'm I'll be looking way down the board. I mean, when you look at the history of this tournament, look at look at the last five, five winners. It was Kirk last year, two years ago, Straka. Can mm-hmm. I can I buy you a Matt Jones? Before anybody knew him, Sun JM, Keith Mitchell. I want to say that year when Keith Mitchell won it five years ago, he was two hundred to one. I, there are guys coming off the Corn Ferry Tour that you can find here that will come out of nowhere and and pop. Um, mentioned Cole, finished second. He was 175 to 1. Like when Berger was up there in a playoff defeat, he was 125 to 1. There are going to be some no-name guys at the top of the board, and that's the challenge, just finding out which which guys. I don't think he, like I mentioned, don't doesn't need to be a bomber. Looking for a scrambler that so, can putt. Yeah. Those are the ones that pop here. So those are some of the names that that I I scribbled down last night and early this morning when I was looking at this. Um, you mentioned course history, maybe not necessarily having as much to play into it here. Uh, but Eric Cole, who did lose in the playoff, top ten at the Genesis in his last start, um, five top twenty one finishes so far. Um, just the last six months has been playing really well. I think he's third in this field in particular in total strokes gained over the last six months. That's one that I have an eye out for. Um, JT Poston uh, leads the field in strokes gained in the last six months. Sixth in putting, eighth in short game uh, around the green, plus five top tens in six starts this year. Um, you mentioned Berger, uh, one of those Florida guys, or you mentioned the Florida guys. Daniel Berger is one of those Florida guys. Mm-hmm. Course history, okay, it is what it is. He's missed some cuts here. He's also finished top five here, uh, lost a playoff here, I mean, almost 10 years ago now. But what got me about Berger had nothing to do with being a Florida State guy or being from Plantation or all the finishes or non-finishes at PGA National. It's his driver accuracy. Um, and he's 15th on the tour so far this year. Um, add in the fact that he's back on some familiar greens. Maybe that does help. And then just to be a complete and total yinzer, I went with a Pittsburgh guy, Brendan Todd, 12th on the tour in driving accuracy so far this year. He hasn't had any great finishes. I think uh, T22 is the best so far this year. But he's made all five cuts he's entered. So if I'm not looking for a winner, if I'm looking for a top 10 or top 25, that might be a play. Um, just some names down the board. And then Byung-Hun on five starts at PGA National. If you are going to play the history side of things, he's got two top fives, T16 at the Genesis this year, some names that I saw out there as well. Um, he's, you know, not a huge lot. I think 28 to one to win. You can find better, uh, or excuse me, uh, lower numbers at top five, top 10, top 20. Um, I don't know. It's it's your it's the first one back east, so that's that's something to consider. Paul, uh, what, what what are you looking at between anything that Joe and I threw out there and what Jeff had to say earlier? Yeah, I'm I'm with you on like looking a little bit more at accuracy with the distance a little bit neutralized. Now I know Jeff said like he's looking at drivers and putters uh, a little bit, so I, I hear that. And when he mentioned like Justin Suh. 
There's a 150 to one on him. His putting is elite. Like it's the rest of it. Like, can he get to the green, you know, with some birdie opportunities? I mean, if you want to look at like his numbers from last year, approaches from 200 plus, uh, which could be a factor here. He was 15th. So like there's pieces, like if they all come together. So like that could be a little sprinkle. Uh, You mentioned Shane Lowry, I think in the conversation with Jeff, Um, Mm -hmm. he's got, again, course history can kind of throw out, but he's been, he's played well here. Um, and he's a guy that's, you know, accurate off the tee around the green, strong numbers, approach, strong numbers, his, so if we're going to neutralize putting though, like, which it doesn't seem like we necessarily can, like, he's a guy that's like drives me nuts with his putter and whether it's at Augusta or elsewhere, but he's done okay here, but it's, it's high variance with him and his putter. So, uh, at 40 to one. That number is interesting. I am on Ben on. You mentioned that uh, his scrambling numbers, which Jeff mentioned, like scrambling, he was 12th last season in strokes gain. Now he did have a suspension for a little bit of that, but uh, he's off to a strong start this season. I'm going to play him first round leader at 45 to one. He has the earliest okay. tee time tomorrow. So I'm just going to say, you know what? I wake up, it could be over. Or maybe he just runs away from the field. Not runs away, but takes off from the start. And uh, you got a little sweat on day one. Um, again, been playing well this year as well. And there was some weird steam on him. He was like 35 or 33, got all the way back down to like 22. I've seen 30s again. Um, but that's that's interesting. Um I don't know if you want to look at the Florida, Florida state angle, a guy I've mentioned on this show before and gotten laughed off uh, the show. And he performed as the way that I should have gotten laughed off the show. Vincent Norman, Florida state product, uh, the speed yeah. uh, 20th greens and regulation. Um, but he's, he's kind of all like the, he's, he's more of a driving distance guy than an accuracy guy, but there's a, a big number on him. And one guy I was just looking at um, like, Svensson, strong all-around game, so I, I hear the case there. Uh, another guy that's kind of just balanced, a Finn, Sammy Valamaki. He's 130 to 1, but I mean like 43rd in total strokes gains, 38th off the tee, 32nd. Is that how you that, pronounce it? I don't know. That had, uh, thir- that had more of a... That more of a question mark at the end than me saying cognizant. <laughs> right. The last couple days. <laughs> I mean, cognizant of how to pronounce Valamaki. Uh, 32nd in approach, 73rd in putting, uh, and then the total driving. Is there distance 30th, accuracy 68th? So maybe there's something there as well at a big number. Just big picture wise, when you look at this course this weekend, it's not a tough tournament after Rory. Like, you look at the field, it's not that tough. Right. And some of the names we just mentioned in the 40 to 50 to range, 50 to 1 range, like Berger, Lowry, that have had success here, that's appealing. When I look at a field that's not all that challenging, um, like strokes gained uh, here at, at PJ National the last five years, Lowry and Berger are, at the, are number one and two. Something to think about if you're not in on Rory this weekend. 30 days until opening day in Major League Baseball. We start diving into some of those season-long markets, including home run leaders. That's next right here on Beck UL Daily.